good morning. good morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. Please turn with me in your red hymnals to number 549 and we'll sing the doxology together. Number 549 in the red hymnals and we'll sing the doxology. like the show-offs do, they go around with a hungry look so that everybody will be sure to see that they are fasting. Remember this, they have already been paid in full. When you go without food, wash your face and comb your hair so that others cannot know that you are fasting. Only your Father, who is unseen, will know, and your Father, who sees what you do in private, will reward you. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is hymn number 110, Take Time to Be Holy. Number 110, Take Time to Be Holy.
God, we come before you just as we are. And Lord, you know of the needs that we have in our lives. You know of the challenges that we have faced this past week, the concerns that we have about the week that is to come, the thoughts about things that are happening today. Lord, all of these things, you always want us to come to you in prayer. And God, we are doing that right now. Many times, God, we do not come to you in prayer the, the way that you want us to. Sometimes we're very prideful. Sometimes we're upset. Sometimes we're angry. But God, in all of those circumstances, you just accept us and you love us in that condition. And Lord, we praise you for that. So God, if you can look through our pride, if you can look through our anger, you can look for those things that we are not happy about and see what our true needs are. Lord, we ask you to do that right now. And that your spirit would be revealed to us in such a way that we put all of those things aside. We put ourselves aside and we pray to you in all honesty and all truthfulness. And your spirit ministers to our hearts, to our minds, to all of the aspects of our lives as we direct our prayers to you. God, we think of family members and of friends, of patients throughout this medical center, of the staff that's working today, of family that are here visiting. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer as well because you remind us again and again not only to pray for ourselves, but to pray for others. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship freely. And we are so thankful that everyone is here because they have freely chosen to come this morning to worship you. We are so thankful, Lord, that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is hymn number 325. Crown him with many crowns. Number 325, crown him with many crowns. <laughs> Oh. 
scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, beginning with verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote, say, excuse me, a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have already ministered to our spirits in worship by the hymns that we have sung, by the prayers that we have offered, by the scriptures that we have read. Lord, I would just ask that you would continue to speak to our spirits, that you would remind us of the relationship that you want us to have every day. Help me now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if any of you have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, but we have many grandchildren. And some of our grandchildren, when they are staying with us or when they are at our home just for a short visit, they always seem to be hungry. They always seem to be hungry. They always seem to want something to eat. In fact, several of our grandchildren, when they come to visit us, they don't even say, hi, Grandma, or hi, Grandpa. They make a beeline to the pantry door and open up the pantry to look for a snack because they want something to eat. Now, part of that is my fault and my conditioning of them and my spoiling of them because when they've come over, I've always either asked if they want something to eat or if they want something special, to lo go look in the pantry and see what they can find, a snack if they want, and Grandpa spoils them, and I pretty much give them what they ask for. So, in all fairness to my grandchildren, I'm responsible for some of the behavior as well, because I have conditioned them, it seems that way, to always want something to eat. Within our lives, each day, we have to take in nourishment. We physically need to eat something on a fairly regular basis. And we know physically when we need to eat something. Sometimes our physiological responses are we're a little cranky, we're a little irritable, or maybe we're really tired. And so usually those are signs that we need some type of physical nourishment. We need something to eat to sustain ourselves to make it through the various activities of the day. Jesus was out teaching, and as it got towards the end of the day, obviously the large crowds were getting hungry. And maybe he could sense that in his spirit. Maybe there was some grumbling. Maybe there was some agitation going on with all of these people that were listening to him and his teaching. Maybe there were some indicators from the crowd. But you know what? What's interesting in this passage of Scripture 
is all of these people were physically hungry, but also all of these people that were here listening to Jesus' teaching were spiritually hungry as well. They were looking for an opportunity to enter in a relationship with Jesus Christ and to go to his spiritual pantry and get some nourishment, get something that they needed to have spiritually because they were lacking something within their own lives. But then we see the example of the human need, the physical need. And Jesus is addressing that issue too, but the disciples are being just like you and I are, being very practical, saying, hey Lord, it's, it's late in the day, we're up here on these hillsides, these people are hungry, they know that they are hungry, they didn't bring enough with them to eat, send them away so they can go get some nourishment. Because my guess is the disciples were probably hungry too. They probably needed some physical nourishment as well. Some of them might have been a little irritable because we see the response when Jesus tells them, you give them something to eat. And their response was, that would take more than half a year's wages. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money when I think about it even in my terms. Half a year's wages. That's a lot of money. That can feed a lot of people. But that was the disciples' response. Lord, send them away, and we don't have the funds or the resources, and if we did, we're very hesitant to even spend that because of all these people, they need to be responsible for themselves. They need to go and get their own food, and yet you're asking us to provide them food? I think many times I know that I have responded in that same way. When the Spirit of God, the presence of God in my life, asks me to do something, to go somewhere, to be with somebody, to provide something for someone, I always have these lists of excuses as to why I am incapable of or why I cannot do something that the Lord is directing for me to do. So we see the humanness of the disciples. And I'm very thankful for that because they were just normal people like you and I that were set apart by Jesus to minister to his following later on, to his disciples later on. But I think all of us would respond in a very practical manner. How can we do this? You know how much it's going to cost us? But yet just Jesus said, how many loves do you have? What do you have that you can give? What do you have that you can show support for these people? And the other Gospels tell us that they found a, a boy who had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus did what? If you know the rest of the story, right? He took it, he broke it, and everybody had their fill. In fact, there were many baskets full of the scraps after everybody got done eating. There was an abundance that Jesus had provided because Jesus took those loaves, took those fish and just kept on giving and giving and giving and giving. The question for us is 
this morning. What do you have? What do I have? Do we use what we have for the Lord? Do we use what we have in our lives to provide support to others? Do we use what we have as an instrument for God to use in any way, shape, or form that He leads by the Spirit, by His presence in our lives to carry out whatever those tasks might be? Because I think a lot of us, because I know I sense this from myself, that sometimes I don't have what it takes that God can use me. But God reminds me again and again to use what I have. To use what I have. So do you use what you have for the service of the Lord? To give back to others. Because I believe if we use what we have, and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, you know of your abilities, you know who you are, but God will take what you have and create an abundance to fill a hunger in other people's lives just by your presence. And it doesn't mean numbers. We're not talking numbers here. It's not a numbers game. I think a lot of times in our Western society, we get caught up on the business model in terms of how we minister to others. Jesus is not concerned about the business model and what our current matrix are in terms of how we are serving him and his kingdom. There's no slide presentation about whether you're green, whether you're yellow, or whether you're red. God uses a very different type of matrix. God is not interested in numbers. His only interest is for you and I to use what we have, to use who we are, to reach out to others to reach out and just to show them the love of God. What the love of God has mean to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because we reveal that light of God to others. Just our mere presence. Because we are aware of the human need physically, spiritually, emotionally we ourselves from time to time have those human needs the physical needs the spiritual needs and the emotional needs and so we're fully aware of the needs of others but yet we seem to feel that we are not up to the task and I think those are legitimate feelings but you know half of the problem, and I would say even more than half, is just showing up. Just showing up. Just being at a certain place at a certain time. Just being there and allowing God to use you, whatever and wherever that might be, with your friends, with your families, with your co-workers, 
with other patients, with students, wherever that might be, is just having that availability to be used. Just like the five loaves and the two, sh two fish were available for Jesus to use the way that he saw fit. In the same way, you and I just have to make ourselves available to be used by God. Just showing up. Just being there for God. And when we're just being there for God, waiting for the opportunity to be showed by God in terms of how he wants to use us, we always need to remember to reach out in an act of compassion to others. It could be just a look. It could be just a smile. It could just be a handshake. It could just be our body language in terms of how we are facing life as we walk down the street, as we go to the store. I don't know if you've ever been at different stores shopping and observing people. I kind of do that. And uh, I was joking with my daughter-in-law the other day, and my days off are during the week. So when I go shopping to pick up some groceries or whatever, and when I go to the store, it's usually during the day, during the week. Well, needless to say, there are not a lot of men in the stores shopping during the week, during the day. In fact, most of the shoppers are young ladies, and I'll say young ladies, I'll just say women, and most of them have kids in tow as they're going shopping, right? Pretty, pretty much normal. And I always look at the behavior of the kids and the moms and how the moms are always trying to get their kids to behave, and that seems to be an ongoing theme. But when I make these observations, you can see the body language of other people, whether they're approachable, whether they're kind, whether they're friendly, whether they're open, whether they're closed. You make eye contact with them. You smile with them. They say hello. You say hi back. All of these little things. You talk to the store clerk as they're checking, checking your groceries out. And they're, of course, trying to engage you in some type of customer service because they want to be friendly and they want to be nice. And usually you reciprocate in casual conversations. And sometimes I've found those casual conversations go beyond just the superficial. Sometimes I've had conversations with clerks that go beyond that. And we talk about some things in their lives that they're working through. And they don't know who I am. You know, I don't have a little flashy neon light on my head that says, I am a chaplain, come and talk to me. It's just our body language. It's just how we're courteous to one another, engaging in conversation, how we're demonstrating that act of compassion. Because when we do those things, when we make ourselves available, when we have that act of compassion, we begin to see the significance of our own individual lives and the impact that we can make in the world in which we live. And that matrix that God has for you and I is measured in totally different terms. It's not quantifiable. It's not qualitative. It's just showing who we are in Christ. That's the matrix. And when we see our lives as being part of something very special, and when we reveal 
to people in their lives the source of our satisfaction. The source of our satisfactions in all things. Not just when things are going well, but when things are not going so well. When things are not going the way that we want them to go. And it seems to be that we're swimming upstream and the current and everything in our lives seems to be against us. It is in those times that we truly do see that source of our personal satisfaction. Because that's where we find in Christ that hunger and that thirsting that we have in our souls for meaning, for purpose, identifying who we are in Christ. And when we do that, when we find that meaning, when we find that purpose, we find that peace and rest in our relationship with God. And then we find that contentment that I think all of us want to have. That all of us are searching for. We want to have contentment in our lives. We want that sense of fulfillment that we are making a difference. And I would say to all of us that you are making a difference. That difference is never going to be perfect. We're never going to get it completely right. But that does not matter. I think some Christians feel that if they can't do something perfectly for God, then they can't do it. And I'm saying no. No. That's not your call. That's God's call. Your job is just to make yourself available, to show that act of compassion, to show that miracle of your life of what Christ has done for you in reaching out to others. It is the Spirit of God that convicts. It is the Spirit of God that convicts other people about their lives. You're just there to be that presence. You're just there to show them the way. You're just there to show them the truth of Jesus Christ. You're just there to show that within your own spiritual satisfaction that you've had through coming to know Christ. Because when you do that, you truly show them what God has done for you and what God is willing to do for them. And we demonstrate that by being followers of Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, we relate people to God through our lives. We relate people to God and show them that even with you, who I'm sure many people thought were impossible to come to know Christ, or that who you were as a person was just impossible and you weren't going to amount to anything, Lynn and I yesterday, on July 11th, celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. (laughs) Thank you. No applause, just throw money. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But you know what? When we got married 34 years ago, 
there were some people that never thought that we would make it. They looked at Lynn and they said, why are you marrying this guy? You can do better. Come on, honey. Now, in my personal opinion, I could not have done any better. <laughs> I get some brownie points with that one. But you know what? God had a bigger plan in our relationship than we ever dreamed of or that we ever thought of. And in the same way with others, the same way with your life, God has a bigger plan than you can ever think of, that other people could even envision for you. Because you know what? When we enter in our relationship with Jesus Christ, something wonderful happens. Many times we try to explain it. Sometimes we just can't. It seems to be a mystery at times. It seems to be an act of faith. But we just know that God can transform a life. I know that God can transform your life because God has transformed my life and He is still working on that transformation in my life. Hopefully I'm getting better. But that's what we reveal to others about the purpose of us coming to know Christ. And when we come to know Christ and the Spirit of God is in our lives, we listen to the things of God. We learn about the things of God. Because we want to grow. We want to be prosperous, not in a physical or economic sense, but spiritually we want to grow. We want to mature. We want to become enriched. Because when we do all of those things, there's that warm, loving feeling that gives us a source of security in our lives that casts out all of those fears that we have. Now, I must admit to you that sometimes when I think about the source of my security when I'm afraid, I have to take a step back because fear can be such an overwhelming emotion that grips us, that momentarily controls us, that momentarily makes us so scared that we panic and we, we don't know what to do. When I have found myself in that situation, and I do, I have to step back and think about what my security is, and that my security is in the Lord. It's not in my physical environment. It's not even in my emotional environment. It's my spiritual environment that I have with the Lord. And when I refocus on that, when I refocus on that source of security, those fears dissipate. They don't magically go away. They dissipate. Because I know that those fears will come back again in another moment of time in my life. But that's what God wants us to have, the source of security about all things. The source of security that as we go through life, there's nothing in our lives that we should be afraid of.
And yes, we have normal emotional physiological responses to certain situations, to certain stimuli, all of those things. But when we step back, when we step back on that moment, and we see what our source of security is, what the basis of our life is, the basis of our life is in Christ. The basis of our life is looking and examining the life of Christ, of reading the Word of God that has been provided to us to be an extension of the life of Christ, to understand each day as we walk and as each day as we make a mistake, we say and do the wrong thing. The basis of our life is not in the acts that we perform, but it is in our relationship with Christ. And when we do that, when we think about those things, we do the things that God wants us to do. We react to those circumstances the way that God wants us to react. Because unless we enter into that life with Christ, your life, my life, is lifeless without Christ. Without accepting Christ as our personal Savior, our life is lifeless. The meaning that we look for, the purpose that we look for in our lives, if it is without Christ, is only temporary. But God gives us an opportunity again and again and again and again to get it right with Him. Because then we see within our own lives the significance that God has for each and every one of us. That He loves us equally. He loves us the same. Your significance and my significance is exactly the same in the eyes of God. And when we understand that, we see that we are able to promote not just ourselves in terms of what Christ has done for us, but to promote the meaning and the true life of Christ as it is examined in our lives. We have that purpose. We have that sense in our lives that we are worth something because God has fed us spiritually. God has fed us emotionally. God has fed us physically because in everything in our lives, if Christ is there on the throne, all of those other things, all of those needs are met through Christ because of Christ being in our lives so consider those things consider to use what you have in that relationship because that's what God wants all of us to use to use what we have don't think about the world standards about whether you have much or whether you have little it doesn't matter the playing field is even in the eyes of God. He wants you to use what you have to further His purposes, to further your life, to allow it to mature. Because God wants us to be with Him, to stand with Him, and to acknowledge 
his love and compassion to others as he has given that compassion and love to us. Amen. Please take a moment and prepare your hearts for communion as we partake together as one body of believers in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have taken those five loaves and those two fishes spiritually and that you have broken them, that you have distributed them to each and every one of us, and that we have an abundance of that blessing that you give to us freely every day. But God, sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we just make mistakes and we feel that we are less than. Sometimes we don't use what we have because we don't think it is enough. But God, you have reminded us this morning that you just love us in any condition and that you just want us to use what we have. And we want you to bless it. Thank you, God, for this time of communion that we can have because, Lord, we are using what we have to honor you in our relationship with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Amen. from the Lord what I also pass on to you 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 389, Just As I Am Without One Plea. Because we cannot do it without your strength and power. 
And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.